Hello, and welcome to Grow With Soul. I'm Kate Ferris, a coach, writer, hiker, and recovering high achiever, and this is a work in life podcast. Join me for discussions and musings about how our work can be a small and magical part of a bigger, more meaningful life. So come on in, get comfy, and let's begin. Hello, and welcome back to Grow With Soul. Today, I have a topic for you that has been coming up for me over and over again in conversations with friends, with people I work with, and most of all, in my own head as I talk to myself. It's been a bit of a theme of the last few months, and today I'm excited to go in deep about it with you. It's been kind of at the surface of my thoughts for a while, so this feels like a really good opportunity to really figure it out. And that topic is overcorrection. A few weeks ago, I was driving on the motorway and I was in the outside lane and a car in the middle lane kind of veered towards the line next to the car ahead of me. And in response, the car in front of me kind of violently steered towards the central reservation and then I presume kind of freaked themselves out and then steered back causing the car to like wobble side to side on its wheels and for the crash alert system in my car to start beeping at me. And you know, everything was fine in the end, but it served as a very visceral representation of these thoughts I'd been having about overcorrection. That driver unnecessarily freaked themselves and everyone else out with their overcorrection. It would have been enough to lightly tilt the steering wheel or just to accelerate forward a little, but instead they ended up rocking around in the middle of the motorway. And that's what we do in our decision-making too. We experience something as so painful, so frustrating, so unbearably uncomfortable that we turn the wheel a full 180 degrees in our efforts to get away from it. And sometimes that works, but often it is an overcorrection and we just don't realise it. So the clearest example of this that I can think of is clients that I've worked with in the past who were unhappy at work and then left to do something completely different. And this has happened more than once, where stuck in the discomfort of a miserable job, they dreamed of an online shop or a consultancy and of mornings walking to the post office or of creative freedom. And so they took the leap, they left their job and they started their thing. But the reality of that dream never quite sat comfortably either. They'd struggle with what it took to build the thing. It always felt like there was something lacking. They were always coming up with new ideas rather than committing to one. And eventually they'd realize the problem was that they were missing what they were doing before. It wasn't the work that they didn't like. It was the context in which they were doing it. It wasn't that they didn't want to design anymore. It was that they didn't want to design for that company they'd overcorrected. 
Now, I'm not saying, of course, that everyone who leaves their job has overcorrected because that wasn't the case for me, nor the majority of people I know who have done so. I'm just saying to illustrate the point that often we can turn 180 degrees when really we probably only need a 40 degree shift. And you can see this at different levels. In some ways, I've overcorrected in recent years where after being burned out from daily Instagram posting and twice weekly blog posts, I got to a point of basically posting (laughs) once every couple of months. You could argue that booking a three-week trip to Lisbon was an overcorrect from a miserable February. And also I'm pulling myself back from an overcorrect now as my desire for freedom in my work meant that I kind of went all the way over to just not working at all. So why do we overcorrect? An overcorrect is a natural reaction to, just like the driver in that car, to get away from danger or discomfort as quickly as possible. Even though we may spend a long time thinking and planning it, it is actually an emotional and impulsive action. What you are spending months planning is the result of an impulsive decision made from feelings. Which is not to say those things make an overcorrect bad, just that's the reality of what we're dealing with. Because it is emotional, it feels high stakes and urgent, which exacerbates the situation and creates an even more acute angle of overcorrection because we are turning harder and harder away. I think we also overcorrect because we're addicted to immediacy. We want the change we long for to happen right now, this second, and we're not willing to wait for anything. So we make the hardest turn on the steering wheel. We take the most drastic action in order to make everything as different as possible, as quickly as possible. The idea of taking tiny steps out of a situation feels uncomfortable and unbearable, and also a bit boring and also terribly risky. How do we know we've overcorrected? Often the realization that we're following an overcorrected course comes long, long, long after we veered into a new lane. And this is for a few reasons. One is that we have applied logic to that emotional impulse, which has convinced us that this is a very sensible and well thought out idea. Now it might well be a good idea but it's not usually a logical one. It's the same brain that made the overcorrection and the reasoned argument for it. So there's definitely some confirmation bias there. The call is coming from inside the house as it were. You are coming up with reasons to justify something you already believe is the right course of action. So how logical can those reasons really be? We also come late to the realisation because We're having a lot of fun in this new lane. It's all new and exciting and we're doing all the right things and stuff is happening. So we're getting yet more and more confirmation bias that this is the right path for us. Novelty can really trick us into believing something is it when really we're on a wave of newness. And of course, 
we then commit wholeheartedly to this new direction. We burn bridges. We move 200 miles away. That was me. And we make announcements online about what we are and are not doing anymore. And then that makes us want, and in some cases need, to keep sticking with it. The how do I know if questions are the hardest of all, because the only way to know is to identify a feeling that is also very similar to a feeling that means other things. It's like having this barrel of identical snakes and you've got to like pick out the one whose name is Bill. <laughs> so for example, the feeling of this is an overcorrect is going to be very similar to the feeling of this is the wrong thing or I'm not cut out for this. It is a feeling of your clothes not quite fitting, being too big in some places but too small in others. A wondering of why isn't this working? Feeling that your feeling of being unsettled becomes a kind of watercolour wash over all of your days. There might be some feelings of longing or nostalgia for the things you did before as well. Let me try to use my own overcorrect as an example. Following my 2019 burnout after having done nothing but work in my life, to listen to episode 139 for the full story on that, I overcorrected into freedom being the guiding light of my business and my work. Over the last three years, I was doing less and less, which was also kind of speeded up by the fact that I had a traumatic breakup in a pandemic, until eventually I got to a point where I really had so much freedom, but also I wasn't really making any money and I was filling my time mostly with overthinking about stuff. The overcorrect happened when I decided that in order to be happy and to feel free, I had to be doing as little work as possible and only work that brought me pure joy at that. So I veered off into that lane at the end of 2019 and I got that confirmation bias from how good it felt to not have a full calendar and from the government grants that topped up my income (laughs) during that period. By the time I moved to my new house at the end of 2021, I'd got to a point where I didn't actually know what to do anymore, like what my working day actually had in it. But still, I didn't recognise this as an overcorrect. I thought I simply hadn't hit on the right thing yet, that it was all outside circumstances and not the lane I was actually in that was causing my malaise. It was a month or so ago now that I thought, well, I first thought, you know, maybe this lane isn't working anymore. It did for a time, but it's as if my overcorrected steering wheel has taken me across one lane and into a whole other one. I began to feel worried about money and about my work, that kind of same trapped feeling I'd been trying to avoid all along. I felt like I was 
continually pushing against doors that wouldn't open and getting quietly more and more panicky with each one. I began to actually crave the feeling of competency that comes with productivity, to miss what it felt like to try hard and to make something and then release it. I began to look back at the version of me who had made double her old salary with kind of awe and disbelief and wonder how I could get some of that back. Sometimes I wondered whether I was still cut out for this, whether I should go back and look for a job, although to be honest, those thoughts usually lasted about three minutes before I knew that that wasn't my true self talking, it was fear. And, you know, that's an indicator that the overcorrect didn't go that far back. The overcorrect wasn't leaving my job, it was something that happened after that. Eventually, I think I realised where the overcorrect happened because I realised that the stories and beliefs I had, well, I was holding about work, that I didn't want to make an effort, that I could work or be free, that I should be creating for free, all stemmed from the conditions around that time at the end of 2019 when the overcorrect happened. So having overcorrected, how do we get our wheels back on the ground? And needless to say, let's not try to overcorrect our way out of an overcorrect. Like that car on this motorway, let's not yank the steering wheel back as then we're at great risk of spinning out completely. Let's also not look at our overcorrect as a failure or something we did wrong. I want to be crystal clear that overcorrecting out of a bad situation is better than staying in it. What the overcorrect has done is give us information. We can figure out precisely what we didn't like in the old situation, what isn't working for us in the new one, and from there figure out where we need to gently turn back to. For example, and I'm changing the specifics here to kind of protect identities, but a former client of mine was a photographer, let's say, and was so miserable and stuck in this rut of like shooting weddings every weekend that she overcorrected into building websites. And she really wanted to like building websites, but she couldn't get excited about promoting that business. She didn't like actually clicking a mouse all day. She missed the photography, but was scared to burn herself with it again. So she eased the steering wheel back a little and started teaching photography. She was back doing the things she liked, but at a safe distance and in a way that worked for her. With my overcorrect, the easiest thing for me to do right now would be go back and do client work again. But that too would be an overcorrect. I know that a calendar full of calls is not right for me, but I also know that a to-do list with no real urgency isn't right for me either. So I'm going back just a few degrees into course creation and running a program. I've been experimenting a little with what kind of one-to-one support I can offer that works for me and have found that text messaging office hours is not only good for me, it actually is better for clients than a call is too. 
rather than giving up on a tricky piece of content and going out in the name of freedom, I'm now sticking at it a little longer, sitting through my mental tantrum and enjoying the feeling of completion afterwards far more than I ever liked the giving up. It's all an experiment. And as ever, the only way to know is to do. It won't be immediate, but just remember that you're trying to negotiate the vehicle of your life back into a lane you might not be able to quite make out. You're going to have to keep lightly adjusting for a while. You can also find the show notes for this episode and the transcript. Don't forget there's a transcript of every solo show at simpleandseason.com forward slash podcast. If you have a friend who you think would find this episode really valuable, please do send them the link and share where you're listening online too. And until next time, I hope you grow a soul.